Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Fran Costigan, aka the Queen of Vegan Desserts. The native New Yorker is an internationally renowned chef, culinary instructor and cookbook author. Professionally trained, Fran was a chef in both traditional and vegan pastry kitchens before moving into teaching over 20 years ago. Since then, she's instructed home cooks and professionals in the art of transforming traditional desserts into luscious, cholesterol-free vegan versions that satisfy all dietary preferences. Her lively classes include the Unique in the World Costigan Vegan Baking Boot Camp Intensive in New York, and Fran recently joined the Ruby Cooking School as Director of Vegan Baking and Pastry, where she's able to reach even bigger audiences through her online classes with the school. An advisory board member of the New York Coalition for Healthy School Foods, Vegan Trade Council and Main Street Vegan Academy, Fran is a professional member of the New York Women's Culinary Alliance, International Association of Culinary Professionals and Women Chefs and Restaurateurs. She's the author of Vegan Chocolate, Unapologetically Luscious and Decadent Dairy-Free Desserts, which not only has an amazing title, it's also got one of the most enticing covers I've ever seen on a cookbook, and more great good dairy-free desserts naturally. In this interview, Fran talks about how to leverage your skills and platforms to reach a broader audience, the importance of networking in non-vegan circles as well as vegan ones, places where you can teach that many people don't think of, turning challenges into opportunities by taking a positive attitude, and much more. Here's the interview with Fran Costigan. Hello, Fran. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Katrina. I'm so happy to be speaking with you. It seems a long time since I met you in New York City. That's right. Yeah, it was a few months ago now. Time's going very quickly, but I'm delighted to to have you on the show because um, I think you've got a lot of um, interesting information. I think you can share with listeners about your your wonderful and longstanding uh, vegan business career. Um, so tell me a little bit about why you do what you do because you've been involved in uh, you know as a chef and now teaching and consulting in regards to particularly vegan treats. Why do you do what you do? What drives you? you we mentioned before I we, we we were just talking that you're you're getting out of bed in the morning and bouncing out of bed, which is wonderful. So what what's your why? What's your yeah, <laughs> it really it really is a, a one. You know, I feel blessed to be doing this work, and 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 I know that I'm really grateful to you know to have that feeling. I am my why is really simple when you when you distill it down you know people think oh my some people think oh my goodness there's Fran she's you know the cake pusher or the cupcake pusher or the sugar pusher actually that's not the, you know yes I became known for doing desserts that that are vegan but actually the why underneath that is because it was apparent to me early on 
when I changed my diet and and most of my you know biographies and and my people think well yes you know you've been doing this for over 20 years I figured it out yesterday and it's probably probably getting close to closer to the 30 year mark so you know I've seen a lot of changes but I I want people to consider the vegan lifestyle to consider becoming vegan when I and in a very exclusive way, I look at this, I mean, inclusive, I, I, I feel that we should be inclusive. Every, we want everyone to consider being vegan for all the reasons that we know are important. I have found over the years, and I am in a position to meet thousands of people, that it's the food that's often a block. You know, we all eat. And what is not going to be Eaten. What vegans do not eat seems to be more heavily considered than the fantastic array of foods that vegan do, vegans do eat. So I have observed that being able to offer an absolutely luscious little vegan cupcake or to say, yes, you can have a birthday cake or don't worry about, you know, your engagement party or Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever holiday is coming up when people are sitting around the table when they know that they can still have the the treats that they are familiar with and want, then I can move the conversation forward with positivity in a really simple way. And, I really love that. that yeah. That's brilliant. Because we often think, you know, in terms of veganism, it's like, oh, you've got to give up. We've got to sacrifice. So I really love how you position that. It's a case of, no, it's what you can have. And these amazing benefits and luscious desserts and food in particular is often a barrier, as you say. So I love that you've addressed that. Right. It, it, you know, it seems obvious in a way because those of us who have been eating plant-based or vegan for a short time or many, many years, have come to realize that it there is such an enormous array of foods. I never felt a lack. You know, I just said, oh, my goodness, look at all these new foods that really aren't new at all that I hadn't considered were naturally plant-based. But to be able to say, here, have a cupcake. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> you know, then we can talk about it. Then we can talk about it. And so I would rather everything... Um, come with this you know mantle of positivity absolutely I love that absolutely love that approach now Fran you worked as you say for many years as a, a traditional and vegan pastry uh, chef in kitchens uh, in many places for many years why did you make that shift into teaching and consulting well Katrina it was really a very organic shift I think I was quite lucky I was trained as a traditional chef. I went to a, you know, when I, that word traditional, is it traditional? I don't know <laughs> anymore today, I, you know, conventional, but I went to New York restaurant school and I was um, late to the game in terms of working. I was a stay at home, albeit very busy, you know, uh, mom to, to two young children, but I, I was fascinated by food even though my mother didn't cook and didn't like to cook, I was fascinated <laughs> by food and I noticed I was very drawn to it. So I went to New York restaurant school, which was, you know, this was getting close to 30 years ago. So I didn't know any vegans. Vegan was not in my um, vocabulary and the school was, a, you know, was an animal based school. But I learned technique 
And then I wanted to get started working in a restaurant situation. And so I was very happy when I was given a job as I applied for and was accepted to be a pastry chef, excuse me, in a conventional, what I call now sugar butter egg kitchen. And my boss liked my work and the customers liked my work. And I just noticed that I wasn't feeling very well. You know, my energy was all over the place. My allergies were worse. And the stomach aches that had plagued me my whole life were just getting worse and worse and worse. So I left this work, took a little time off. And I decided to read read up on, read some books. And I just happened to find Food and Healing by Anne-Marie Colbin, who as Dr. Colbin was the founder of the Natural Gourmet Institute. So I went over there to take a class. And, um, and then, and I was shortly thereafter asked if I wanted to teach because I had been poking around to see if I could do some vegan desserts. And that's really as simple as it is, you know, I was in the perhaps the right place at the right time. Or as Dr. Colbin said to me, you change your diet, because I did change my diet absolutely overnight. Absolutely overnight, I became a vegan. I didn't know that's what I was doing. I thought I was just giving up dairy and eggs, but I gave up all animal foods. And probably I was all... Um, eating a macrobiotic diet, a pure macrobiotic diet at the time, but I felt so good. And I just, I just felt amazing. You know, it was astonishing to me that something so simple as the food I was eating could make such a difference in the way I was feeling physically and mentally too, I will say. So, um, Dr. Coben said, would you like to teach some classes or teach a class? And I said, sure. You know, I had no culinary teaching experience, but in another incarnation, I had been a kindergarten teacher. Oh, that's many, many years earlier, <laughs> and I just loved it. I loved being in the classroom. So I did a class here and there, and in and at the same time, I started working in vegan pastry kitchens. I worked uh, at a very ahead of its time restaurant in New York City's Hell's Kitchen. As a pastry chef, this was a macrobiotic restaurant, and I worked at Angelica Kitchen, which is, a, you know, a very famed restaurant in New York City. And that's what happened. It was just people were coming to the class. There were not very many at the time, if any, that I can think of, you know, strictly vegan dessert classes that taught technique. And um, through... Through my work as a teacher, you know, you don't know who's coming into the classroom. There were people who needed some consulting work, whether it was uh, a parent who was looking to learn more or a chef, uh, 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 you know, a butter sugar egg chef who would come in with his arms folded and say, I don't really believe this, but my son is allergic to eggs or my daughter can't have dairy and so on. So it was really quite organic. Well, that's, that's great. And that's interesting what you said, because I was going to ask you if you needed to develop any new skills to go from, you know, actually making the pastries um, through to teaching. But like you said, you're a kindergarten teacher. I think that's kind of interesting when we look back on our lives that, you know, there's no wrong job that we do because it all kind of leads into what we're meant to do next. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's a really lovely example of that. Right. Now, Fran, you, you basically you are your brand. And so I'm just curious because I know in, in regards to the structure of your business, 
this. You know, you haven't set up as a, an actual company like in America, an LLC or the equivalent in the UK is a limited company in Australia, PTY Limited. You're more of a, a kind of a, a freelancer. And I'm just curious why you chose to do that. Yeah. You know, I have spoken with my accountant about setting up an LLC at this point, because if when you look at the trajectory of my career or my, you know, my brand, I was teaching a few classes and then I started doing a little bit of consulting and then it grew into many classes, including, a, you know, my vegan baking bootcamp series and then consulting with firms, with actual businesses and so on. Uh, so we, we talked about it, but at this point, Alex says, keep it the way it is. I keep my business expenses and business income very carefully documented and separated. I have a particular credit card that's just for business. I keep receipts really carefully. This is not my strong suit, <laughs> but I do that. And so far, you know, to date, I am just following the advice of my accountant, Alex. This may change. This may actually change. But right now, it's just what he's saying is it would be actually a little bit simpler in terms of insurance and so on, which sometimes is why people set up businesses, particularly working, you know, in a kitchen or if I'm teaching somebody and then there are insurance issues about it. The schools have their own insurance and I'm covered. Um, corporations do as well. If I go into someone's home to do a private class and I do a fair amount of private teaching as well, you know, people will come into the classroom and want something else or I get occasion and I've had instances where people who are keeping a kosher kitchen want to learn the techniques but can't taste anything in the classroom, then I will go into their home and so on. Then I'm covered under there. In terms of what I sell, I don't have, you know, I'm not selling a product now in, as, as cakes or, or cupcakes. My product is really myself and books. So my mm -hmm. publisher, my publishers, I have two, take care of the book sales. And when I do sell my own books at events, you know, I have one of those card readers. And again, that is a very specific, carefully documented situation. So it's working. I'll keep you posted on if that changes. It may. Yeah. No, it's good to hear that because, uh, you know, it's like often we think, oh, a business, you've got to kind of launch into, like you say, you know, starting up an LLC and being the director and all this kind of thing. And it's I think it's actually good, you know, particularly someone with your um, standing and your experience to know that, you know, that you, you can do that as a, a, a freelancer. So I think that's actually really, really good to, to let people know sure. that they can yeah. do that. So that's yeah. fantastic. So, Fran, when you um, let's talk about when you were kind of maybe starting up your, your teaching and consulting business. Um, what were some of your key challenges when you were first starting out? Uh, you know, it's really interesting to hear you word, say that word challenge because, of course, there were. But I was just so enthused that I never thought about the challenges. I was like, wow, look, there's something new I can do. <laughs> and I just love it. You know, I had thought of myself as a social but rather sh uh, shy, you know, oh, no, I couldn't stand up in front of people. And from the very first class, I said, oh, I have found what I really love to do in life. I just love talking to people. And um, 
because I need to, you know, I, I understood early on that people need to learn, people are different, right? We're all different. We're bio-individual and some people learn by hearing and some people learn by touching and doing and so on. So I was able to do all of that. But I would say the the biggest challenges when I was first starting up was how am I going to, okay, I'm, I've been invited to teach this class. How is it going to fill? How will I get it filled? The school, the school may do some publicity, but that's not enough. I wasn't really known. My name wasn't known at the time. So how will I fill the classes and how will clients or potential clients find me? This was mm-hmm. before the uh, time of social media. You know, that's really been a game changer. So I decided not to stress too much about it. I let my friends and community of friends and family know that I was going to be teaching and ask them to please let their friends know. Or I would do little mini classes in people's homes. Uh, I'm not telling you that I never say no, you know, or back then I didn't. But there are so many places where we can teach that we don't often think about. It doesn't have to be an actual culinary school, but there are libraries and there are, you know, there are houses of worship. There are just, there are elementary schools. There are all kinds of places where you can go out and that starts building and people want, oh, well, yes, I would like to learn a a little bit more about that. So in terms of challenges, I just did it. (laughs) <laughs> I love how creative you've got. Like you say, you know, you don't have to uh, necessarily start big. You just even have maybe one or two people. And then once they start to talk about it, you start to get well known. And obviously, you've become absolutely a household name. You're the queen of vegan desserts, <laughs> which is awesome. How have the challenges changed then over the years, friend, as you've grown as a business and become well known? Well, you know, it's it's there are different challenges now. I like to think of them as happy challenges. You know, I feel ever grateful that I have these problems of, oh my goodness, now I can hardly keep up. Um, (laughs) I get up a little bit earlier just to check my email and requests and so on. But again, I want to underscore that I am absolutely grateful. What it means, you know, if we're going to just distill it down, the, the main challenge now is not how am I going to fill a class or how am I going to get enough work? Because the fact is that people who are freelancing, no matter how much their name might be known to people, we're still cobbling together, you know, different work to be able to make what we might call a living. You know, there's no one thing that that may be enough at this time. So I am spending a lot more time in front of my Macintosh computer, that's for sure. I'm spending more time answering emails and fielding requests and thinking about what it is I want to do and really managing a calendar. I'm certainly spending more time online with social media. And I have, you know, I teach, for example, there are some classes that I teach regularly or a few times a year, but I never... Every single time I'm finished with an event, no matter how tired I am, usually I'm feeling very up, but then, you know, a bit tired, 
I sit down and I go over it right away because there's always something that can be done differently or better. And I think it's very important to pay attention to those things. So that's the kind of work, you know, I, I, I just have a bit more work now answering queries and, and as I said, keeping the calendar and um, so on. But it's a very happy problem. Yes, a high quality problem. Yes. Sometimes call it. Yeah. <laughs> now talking, I suppose it related to that, but as we say, you, you are your brand and obviously there's only one of you and one person can only do so much in terms of time. And particularly when you're teaching in person classes or you're doing one on one stuff, you know, there's only one of you in a certain amount of time. So how do you leverage your skills to reach a broader base of people? Well, that's a very interesting question. And, and that was something that I probably two years ago, really sat down and looked at because there is only one me and I am very energetic and I like spending long hours when I'm interested in a, in a project or projects, which we have established that I am. But it came clear that I cannot know everything and I cannot do everything. And it was time to to think about having, you know, getting a, a little team together or a team together or individuals together to give me a hand. Now, I am very, you know, I know the way that I like things. So we could say <laughs> that I'm a bit controlling. <laughs> I understand. Okay. I am saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't want to hire someone to write my social media posts because I have a, a voice that I think is particular and I like it feels to me, even though it's, you know, this Internet universe, but it feels to me like I'm connecting with people. So I still do quite a bit of that. But, you know, to learn everything that I needed to learn just seemed impossible. So I went and I um, I hired some people. You know, I put together a, a team, really, and that's been really, really great now when you when you look at the teaching aspect of it i was looking at my vegan baking boot camp as an example so this is a 5 day course in new york city at the natural gourmet institute that i put together you know that i really developed quite a number of years ago to answer the need for there was an absolute lack of any fully vegan pastry course that taught technique. I just, I didn't see it in the world. And the students who come tell me, some come because they know who I am and they want to study with me. And others say, well, there, I did a worldwide search and there's nothing. So I looked at that and it's very fulfilling. I mean, it's five days full on, two, you know, two classes, two hands-on classes a day and some lecture demos. But at best, it would run three times a year, maybe, you know, generally twice. Occasionally, if the school had room, we ran it three times a year because it's limited to 14 people. Well, you add up, you know, 14 and 14. How many people is that? 28 or another another 14? I'm not very good at math. <laughs> That's not very many people to reach. Uh, so I... At the time that I started looking at online options, and you, you, you know, it's good to note here that I do not, had not considered myself an online learner. I'm like, nope, I just can't figure out how you could learn to do, you know, a chocolate truffle or a cake online. 
I became, you know, someone, uh, I'm, I'm Chad Sarno, who's the lead instructor for the Ruby online, that's R-O-U-X-B-E, online um, plant, professional plant-based program at the Ruby online school. He's somebody that I really respect. I mean, he is a top-notch chef. And he said, why don't you take a look? And I took a look at this online program, and I just, it was it was discovering a whole new world. I learned so much. I was fascinated. You know, for me, it became the equivalent of I would go online and I would say, oh, my gosh, I teach culinary and I happen to know a thing or two about savory food. But I learned so much. It was like a good book I couldn't put down. And when I considered, you know, Chad, let me just and the Ruby team, let me discover this on my own, really. I said, look how many people they reach. You know, it's more affordable than coming to a what I would call a brick and mortar school because when people come to take my five day boot camp, for the most part they're coming they're taking a plane, they're coming from other countries, they need housing in New York, they need food and so on. Here it's a much more affordable option. You can reach hundreds, if not thousands, of people worldwide and they can take it no matter what um you know time zone that they're living in. So it was wow, you know, it was just a big wow for me. And I met the founders of Ruby um, here and there. And most recently we met, you know, we met and we talked about it. I met some of the team at conferences and so on. And I met Joe and Don, who are the founders at the Farm Sanctuary Gala this year. And they've been wanting to do this. They've just been a bit busy with their plant-based pro and with their forks over knives and culinary RX and these wonderful programs that they have developed. And we said, let's figure out a way to do it. And so just about a month ago, I joined Ruby as the director of vegan baking and pastry. And as we speak right now this morning, (laughs) we are madly and happily creating, really bringing the boot camp, an updated version of boot camp online. I will be go, I've, you know, do Skype calls with Chad and I've learned Google Docs. You know, you have to understand you're speaking with a woman who in life is a grandmother of four. So I'm telling you, when you want something, there is no lack of opportunities that show up, I believe, once you're really clear. So I had to learn a couple of new things. But that's very good for our brain, isn't it? Oh, definitely. definitely. And it's so exciting to me. I'm going to Vancouver, which is what we call Ruby Central. That's where the uh, production studio is. A week from today, actually, a week from Monday on May the 9th, and we're getting going. So it's thrilling. People, the response to it, the response to the press release and my post has been just so rewarding. There are now Hundreds of people who say, I wasn't able, coming to New York wasn't feasible. This is great. I can't wait to do it. Now, this isn't to say that I'll never do a hands-on vegan baking boot camp. I will. But Mm. this is just, you know, just a different way of looking at it that will, the idea for me of being able to reach so many more people is just thrilling. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. That's that's really good advice, I think, for people who, you know, are, are doing that one on one or that that hands on to say you don't have to give it up, but you can add this and you reach more people, um, which is great. And I, and I also like the fact that you said that, you know, you, you build a small team. So even as a, a freelancer, you know, it's OK to, uh, you know, you don't have to hire full time or even part time staff. You can work with other contractors to yes. to get a lot of the work done, you know, that kind of day to day business stuff when there's only you, like you say, you can do so much and I absolutely love what you said about learning new skills you know you're never too old to learn uh, new skills so I really that's a really really good point um, as well now in terms of competition friends now there's a lot more vegan culinary experts than ever there's countless YouTube channels and basically you know people are offering free videos teaching people both about nutrition how to make all kinds of vegan treats so how do you go about and I know you're, you're a big name now but still how do you go about kind of standing out both within the vegan business arena and outside of it and maintaining a steady flow of, of paid work? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I actually think competition is very healthy. I think that the more vegan uh, instructions that we have or vegan discussions or vegan, you know, videos and so on, the better it is because it brings more people to the conversation, to the table. So I don't really think of it as competition. Uh, this is this is a a big question, and this is a question that has come up within my you know non-vegan culinary communities, if you will. You know, I want to take a, a moment here to say that from the beginning, when I went from the conventional pastry kitchen into the, what into the vegan pastry kitchen or the conventional pastry world into the vegan pastry world, I made a decision then that I was going to keep a foot in both worlds. That doesn't mean I ever eat animals. I don't. I am vegan. You know, people know Fran is vegan. But I maintained my professional memberships in the International Association of Culinary Professionals and Women Chefs and Restaurateurs in New York Women's Culinary Alliance, for example. Now, how I've been viewed in these organizations has certainly changed over the years. You know, 25 or more years ago, I was an oddity. Now I have people coming and saying, oh, can you tell me something about this? Or, you know, we collaborate. Oh, I'm teaching a class tonight and I'm standing in Whole Foods looking at the shelves and some sugar says vegan and some sugar says organic and I don't know what the difference is. So I really embrace my competition and I think that we should all help each other. I think that one of the possible problems with some of the YouTube videos online is or it's the same thing as some of the recipes that you find online is that you need to the the viewer needs to consider who is teaching what because I've seen some things that just don't make any sense at all so that will take me back to why I started you know why I wanted to write the kind of book that I wrote first, more great, good dairy-free desserts naturally, because the recipes way back when were impossible. They were doomed to fail. You can't use, you know, you can't see a recipe that says use one cup of sugar or one cup of maple syrup. You know, one's granulated, one's liquid. You're bad. (laughs) You're doomed to a fail. And when I look at some of what I see online from my, you know, since we're talking about competition, I'll use the word competition with quotes around it. 
I say, oh my goodness, this is not going to work. They're not telling <clears throat> the viewer what kind of cocoa powder to use. You know, there are differences and you need to tell people that or open a can of coconut milk and and scoop it out and start whipping it. That's not going to work. You need to be more specific. So I'm always happy to share with another, you know, share with another expert, so to say. Um, and I say, bring it on. Let's all do it together. Right, right. And I think that's a really good example of because you've been doing this for so long and that, you know, you have developed this reputation because I think that's probably as well what helps people to stand apart, like you say, is is people really knowing what they're doing, having that credibility and that detail that, that you obviously um, have. And I love that you mentioned the collaborations as well and the importance of networking, not only within the vegan world, but also outside of it. And particularly now when it's it's very exciting times, I was actually at a, I went to a trade show today naturally like for the natural and organic sector and I was blown this is in Sydney and I was blown away by the number of vegan run businesses like the products that were vegan even if the business owners themselves weren't necessarily they've still some of them were but not all of them were but they've still chosen to make their products vegan so it is a pretty exciting time and I think it's probably people you know that are keen to put the the effort in and and you know to produce really high quality work such as you that will you know continue to be successful so so thank you for addressing that now let's talk about the word vegan uh, because you know you're vegan I'm vegan I love the word and it was interesting actually today even seeing the word vegan not just plant-based on a lot of these um, products which is pretty exciting um, tell me about your thoughts of the word vegan in your marketing materials on your website and the prominence of the word because as we know there's you know two schools of thought one it's limiting it scares people away because of the negative connotations and others know it's now kind of a cool word and, you know, it's clever niche marketing. So tell me a little bit about your, your thoughts on this, Fran. I would say <laughs> that both thoughts are correct. Right. And since my why, going back to that first question, is I want people to be vegan, then I am not stuck on, I'm not going to be stubborn about this is the only way I will do it. So I will say that both are correct. In 2006, I think this is, I remember this and it was very, it's very interesting to me. So in 2006, when I was writing More Great Good Dairy Free Desserts, which is a vegan book, and what's really key is I was writing this book for the book publishing company in Tennessee, which is a vegan publishing house. They said, we are not using the word vegan in the title. It will be limiting. <laughs> and I almost fell down. Really? I said, but it's a vegan book and you're a vegan house. We're going to call it dairy free. Later on, several years later, I pointed and the book is now 10 years old and still selling because it is still relevant. That was my, I'm going to tell people, I'm going to give people formulas. I'm going to ensure that they have success when they're baking these dairy, <laughs> dairy-free desserts that happen to be egg-free and white sugar-free and so on. Well, probably five years ago, I called the principals at the publishing in-house and I said, you know, vegan is a very popular word now. One would even, we could say it's a positive marketing term now. 
why don't we address that the next time the book is reprinted? It's had several reprintings, and they said, well, you know, you're right now. So now the book is still, of course, called More Great Good Dairy-Free Desserts now, but on the bottom, you know, the the subtitle, where it it said natural ingredients, dairy and egg-free, now it says all vegan. <laughs> so oh, that's what happened. Contrast that with in the year Two years ago, 2013, when I did more, uh, when I did vegan chocolate, unapologetically luscious and decadent dairy-free desserts. <laughs> I love that title. So cool. And that title was very <laughs> thoughtful. I did that for Running Press, which does beautiful cookbooks and has published a number of vegan books. Julie Hassan's books, for example, which are vegan books. But it's a non-vegan house. And they, I didn't want to use the word vegan. I saw this book as a beautiful breakthrough chocolate desserts book for everyone. I wanted to call it, you know, chocolate desserts for everyone. And they insisted on vegan being the first word, vegan chocolate. Wow. So wow. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so when we talked about the reading line, I wanted to use the word dairy-free. So it's unapologetically luscious and decadent dairy-free desserts. They said, well, people know that vegan is dairy-free. I said, yes, they do. But there are people who are going to glance at that book and say, yay, a vegan book. There are going to be people who look at that and say, I can't buy a vegan book, but we'll see the word dairy-free because there are so many people today with lactose intolerance problems. And they'll go, oh, I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. I it is fascinating. It absolutely is. I love that you've explained that. I'm very surprised, at, very pleasantly surprised. And I love that you've got words like luscious and decadent in there that are associated with vegan. I think that's right. that's really clever. It's one of the best book titles, yeah, and, it, and, and it looks and it does look lush. Like well, when I see the cover, look, and my mouth waters. It has to look <laughs> luscious. I mean, people buy. You know, I did a bit of my own research. And people buy books, oftentimes based on the cover. Now, I will tell you that uh, my book publishing company book, More Great Good Dairy-Free Desserts, has been reprinted many, many times and is still selling very nicely. Thank you. Thank you for the people who are buying it. (laughs) And Vegan Chocolate has been now published. There are German French and Italian issues of this book. So what is this really? And they all, you know, have the word vegan based on the language in the title. So what is this telling us? It's this telling us that, wow, (laughs) vegan is hot. When I teach at Victoria Moran's Main Street Vegan Academy, I am an adjunct there. I'm on the advisory board. I teach a class called How to Produce and Teach a Cooking Class. And I broach your the question that you asked because it's a hot question. So vegan is trendy and it's a draw, but it also can be limiting. And I just suggest to the students that you do what your conscience or, you know, what is driving you. You do what's what feels good to you if if you must, you know, if you will only teach in a in an environment that is 100% vegan or you must use the word know that it might be limiting if you want to reach the broadest community then you know watch the words that you use people will know that it's vegan it's a yeah. it's you know it's a one by one decision that you make 
Exactly. Now, it's great that you've mentioned the books. Um, obviously, books are a great marketing tool for um, a business owner. So what benefits have you seen to date since your books have been released, Fran? You know, someone told me, a, a cookbook author told me early on that what a book is, is a big calling card. <laughs> Instead of taking the card out, now you take your book out. That's and right. To some extent, to some degree, that is absolutely true. So it, there's some credibility that comes along with being a cookbook author. Um, that is important. It certainly helps get your brand or your name out into the wider world because people see it in a bookstore or they see it online or a blogger has written about this book or, you know, it's in a magazine or so on. So I think it's a, it's a very, it's a very good tool. It, there is, I want to let your listeners know that writing a cookbook is a very fulfilling experience, but it is an absolute full-time job. <laughs> From the proposal, the pro- I had to write three proposals until, you know, one was deemed good enough to send out there. And writing a book is an absolute full-time job. So just know that. But it is a wonderful, wonderful tool. And to this day, I get very excited when, you know, when people write and say, your recipes really work. I made your this and here's a picture of it. Or I go to my book because I'm looking for a recipe. And I (laughs) oh, my gosh, it's in my book. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Fantastic. And I says, and well, writing a book can lead to such good opportunities, like, you know, you being asked to teach or to speak. Absolutely. um, Yeah. I got to three Google campuses last year because they have, um, they invite, they have a division that's called Authors at Google, Authors Talks at Google. You know, it was fascinating. And they also have Zagat Chefs. At Google, so I've done both. But without the book, I would not have been invited. You know, they said uh, in in each Google campus, so they're fabulous and they're all over the world, has these. And so they, you know, they have a copy of your book or they ask you for a copy of your book. I send my book around to people if I want them to know about it. You know, I don't have an expectation, but I will send the book with an introductory letter in the same way I would send a you know, a, a business card, and they look at it. And in one case, I had um, the woman in charge of the uh, toxic Google at one of the companies said, "Well, I heard the title vegan chocolate, and I really wasn't too interested because I don't eat vegan dessert." She said, "I saw that cover and <laughs> recipes, and I had, we had to have you here." And then in another, at another uh, Google campus, another situation. The pastry chef said to me I, that she, she'd made far more desserts than I expected. You know, we went through it in a very organized way, and she was going to make three and offer three recipes from the book and offer them at lunchtime, and she made eight. And she said <laughs> that she felt that she was out of her comfort zone, but she is going. Th- these are going to be regular items on the menu now. So wow. you know, that's really thrilling because I'm getting to go to a place that I'm curious about. I'm selling my books because Google buys books and sells them or gives them away, as the case might be. And I've made some kind of an impact in moving vegan forward. 
Wow, you made a huge impact. That is so inspiring. I'm so glad that you shared that. That's amazing. Oh, I absolutely love that. Um, so, Fran, for those people who you who want to run their own business, there at the moment they're employed and they want to leap into the world of either freelancing or starting their own business. What, in your opinion, are the key things they need to take into account before making that jump? Um, I think that we all need to do research into the kinds of business, you know, what is it that we want to do? You know, just to say, well, I want to, I want to advance veganism. You know, we have to be really specific. And that does mean getting to know the marketplace. So in the same way, when you're writing a cookbook proposal, there is a section called competition. Who else is doing the topic that you're interested in? Or is there a lack? And if there is a lack, why is there a lack? You know, I thought, oh, yay, there's a lack. (laughs) But why (laughs) is there a lack? Who else is doing it? How are they doing it? And try try not to be everything to everyone at first. You certainly need to gain some expertise before you jump in. That doesn't mean you have to know everything. One of the blocks to me you know, as uh, in life, but I've overcome this was feeling like I had to know everything before I went out to do it. Oh, I haven't done that yet. (laughs) Better spend, you know, four months learning how to do it. You can learn how to do things and do them and then revise them. So those are things I think you keep your day job if you have a day job for, you know, for some period of time. Expect to do a variety of different things because you will, because that is the nature of this business. Now, I still do a variety of different things, but I don't look at that as a negative or I haven't hit in a particular way. It's my nature. I love that I can teach hands-on, that I will be, that I'm, you know, learning a new platform to bring, that I will be teaching online, which is completely different situation from teaching in a classroom situation with people. I love that I'm writing articles and writing books, doing consulting with a mom and doing consulting with a branding firm. So, you know, you can reframe this from, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to cobble this, all of this together to, this is really exciting. And be patient, but persistent. Let people know that you let people in your community know that this is what you're going to do and ask some people for advice. People tend to be very generous about giving advice, how they got started or what they think. Run your ideas by people in your community to see how they react to them. Wonderful. That's such good advice. And I was laughing at the beginning when you were saying about you wanted to learn learn everything before you could go out and do it, because I can totally relate to that. I think oh. it's that part of that controlling thing. It's wanting that certainty of, OK, yes, I've nailed this, but we can never know absolutely everything. And I think one of the best lessons is, as you've mentioned, is getting comfortable with that uncertainty. You know, obviously doing steps to learn, but knowing that you don't have to be completely perfect to know absolutely everything. So I'm really glad that you, right. you shared that. That's wonderful. 
So just getting on to the final um, questions, I guess we're around sort of mindset, which are curious, which some of which we've touched on, because a lot of business owners say that, you know, running a business, it really does kind of force you out of your comfort zone. It's one of the biggest forms of, of personal development in some ways. So what qualities do you believe, Fran, are essential to, to staying the course and being able to run your own business? I be- absolutely believe in what it is that you're doing. Absolutely believe in what you're doing. You know, if you're doing something just because it's trendy or you for some reason feel that you must, and I understand there are people who have to do things that they don't, you know, this is not their passion. And I respect that. You know, we, we, so, but those of us who are looking to do what you and I are doing, for example, believe, believe in what you're doing, feel passion for the work, Believe in the overarching message. You know, I'm, again, I'm teaching people to make desserts. But what is my overarching message? I want people to understand what the critical importance of the vegan lifestyle. Why, why we should all be paying attention to that now. And I have, you know, as I said earlier, I have not isolated myself strictly in the vegan world and this doesn't mean that someone who says I'm only going to be in vegan communities is wrong. I don't want anyone listening to this feel that I'm making them wrong. But if you really want to affect change, then go out there and embrace everyone. I feel that compassion extends to people, not only our four-legged friends or animals, you know, compassion extends to people. So be a stand for what it is that you believe in. And um, this, for me, has been a very good thing. You know, I really believe in it. People look at it. In the beginning, people would say, I heard people behind my back at some vegan conference a very long time ago say, we're not really sure about Costig and she doesn't look vegan. And I was thinking, I wonder what that, what does that mean? I thought, well, I don't actually have any tattoos and I was wearing red lipstick and I'm a New Yorker. So I was wearing some kind of really pretty slick New York clothes. You know, I don't hear that anymore because people, this is what vegans look like. We look like everybody else. You know, we look like everyone else. I do not believe in exclusivity. You know, I believe that it is very essential to say what I'm offering is inclusive. Everyone can eat this food. If there is no dairy in the beverage that I'm making or the sauce that I'm making, what it means is that people who are vegan can eat it. People who are lactose intolerant can have it. And people who are kosher can have it. And anyone who likes something, a delicious uh, pastry cream can have this. So focus on the inclusivity instead of the exclusivity is a very important thing. And having a sense of humor and developing a little bit of a thicker skin, I would say, are important too. That is, absolutely. Um, so in terms of how do you, because obviously, and you mentioned earlier, uh, you're on the computer a lot more nowadays, and I can totally relate to that. And, you know, sometimes I'm on it for hours on end. Yes. And, you know what I mean? You can get, it can be a bit stressful running your own business as well, because sometimes, particularly if you're freelancing, it can be feast or famine, you know, kind of mm-hmm. really busy one minute, not the next. So what um, steps or strategies or techniques do you use or have you used to kind of ensure, you know, a strong mental and emotional well-being? 
as a business owner? Yeah, the very important question. And I have become quite a bit more strident with myself about this. I, there are times when I just know, okay, this is going to be one of those really get it done times. I'm going to be at the computer more than I think is really healthy in an overall situation. And I'm going to let other things go. But I, I eat a whole foods plant-based vegan diet. I, I do heavily weighted to greens. So if I'm in the unusual situation where I am really slammed, I'll have a green, you know, I make sure that I have a green drink or I have a green smoothie. I drink enough water. I am learning. And, and for someone like me who is tasting little bits of sweets very often and little <laughs> bits really add up, it's very essential. It's very essential. I, I get very um, focused, hyper-focused on a project, and I have learned that getting up, taking a walk around my little apartment, you know, I'm in, a, <laughs> in a little building where I'm in a building where there's a gym downstairs, you know, and I get so interested that I don't want to do it, but just getting outside, even for five minutes, standing up, blinking your eyes, you know, changing the pace is very good thing. I exercise every single day and I do yoga as well. It's just, you know, there are times for me where I I, I want to, to be fair, I have to tell you, there are times that I don't want to get up and stop or there might even be some times that I can't. But I have, I've been tracking this and I see that when I do take these breaks, when I am doing self-care, I'm more efficient. And the world hasn't fallen in. You know, the project is going to get done. So I really believe that that is very important. Very important. Mm, I'm so glad you've addressed that just from a personal perspective, because I know I constantly need reminders. And I, I, I've got a gym downstairs as well, and I hate gyms. But I, I'm just at that point now where I just uh, I really get what you're saying. And I've made a commitment that I'm, I'm going to be going downstairs to that gym, even just for a short time yes. and go on the running machine, whatever. And I love that you pointed out, which is really good. And that's planted in my head now that it makes you more more efficient because I think sometimes you know I think oh no I've got to stay on the computer because I've got to do this and this and you think you're getting more done but then if you go and get sick you then have to have time out and you get behind anyway so I love that you've addressed that point that it's um it actually makes you more efficient so thank you for that personally and I'm sure a lot of listeners will 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 benefit from that that piece of wisdom and finally um Fran final question what's your long-term vision for yourself and your brand you know, that's, that's such an interesting question for me because I've had so many surprises. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, look what, look what I'm doing now. And, and I, and I, and that, for example, the, you know, the, the position I have now as with a title, director of vegan baking and pastry at Ruby Cooking School is the first title and the first, what I say, the first actual job that I've had and I didn't I didn't expect that but you know I worked towards it I kept the conversation going so um I'm so used to um being open to the kinds of surprises that I'm interested in that I I thought about this question and I said do I have a long a long-term vision for myself and my brand I'm not sure I'm excited to see I'm definitely 
Excited to see the greater reach of the of my vegan pastry arts program courses online. This will be my focus this year for sure. I have been fortunate, blessed, I would say, to have vegan travel opportunities come my way. Last year, I was in Italy with Vigano Italiano, as you know, and yeah. on the vegan cruise to Alaska. This year, I will be. I want to invite people to come to my website and my blog and look at the upcoming trip in the beginning part of September to Vegan Sicily. Uh, In in Vegan in Sicily is a town called Modena, which is, believe it or not, the home of chocolate, the home of chocolate, and the chocolate is Mexican style. So it's so, the, the history in this area of Italy is just fascinating, and it happens to be vegan. So, I'll be doing that and coming back to New York for a bit. And then I'm going to be guest chef with Vegan Mac Black Metal Chef and Zombies and so on on a vegan cruise to Panama. Can you imagine we're going to through the Panama Canal and Costa Rica? I found the vegan cruise to Alaska last year with these same vegan cruise planners to be well, I spent one whole day crying in Glacier Bay. It was, first of all, to be with your community. You know, many of us want to travel. We have the travel bug, but we worry about what we're going to eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't really worry so much about what I'm going to eat. You know, every meal doesn't have to be a home run for me, so I can eat some nuts and fruit and be okay. <laughs> but to be in a situation where you can be in Italy or France or you know, on a on a vegan cruise and you've got vegan meals and like-minded community, which is amazing. It is just the most amazing feeling. I have seen on these trips people who didn't know one another in the beginning become fast friends, lifelong friends, supportive friends. So I'm certainly going to be looking at more travel because I see that there is such a desire for that. And I actually think about a vegan product at some point. There are people in my life who tell me that is just ridiculous. <laughs> Why are you thinking about that? You know, there's a lot of work that goes into launching a vegan product. So that's a caution that I want to tell your any of your listeners is don't, you know, you may have something that tastes delicious and people like, but a lot goes into launching a vegan product there are food technologists and there are you know there's all kinds of oh my goodness there's all kinds of stuff that goes on but that's not to say the time is absolutely right now look at the success of Miyoko's kitchen for example unbelievable on this at this um, international associations of culinary professionals conference in Los Angeles a few weeks ago so this is the very conventional, let's say very conventional conference where people that you see on the Food Network TV, for example, who are the furthest thing from vegan. Let's just throw a little more butter. (laughs) So this is really the kind of conference that, that they do. We had a trip called LA, the center of the plant-based universe. We went to the Gardein factory. We went to the Gardein test kitchen and did tastings. We went to Earth Island Foods, which is follow your heart, and we got to taste some of the new product. And we went to a vegan restaurant. So 
I looked at this sold-out trip and this very big bus full of people. We introduced ourselves, which was a great thing to do. That doesn't normally happen on a trip, but the organizer said, while we're traveling and there's so much traffic in L.A., let's see who we are. (laughs) There were four of us who were vegan. There were also on this trip people who were executives for Unilever in the craft test kitchen you know, that kind of thing. And they were so, well, why were they there? Because clearly you need to know about vegan food products today. But yeah. their comments, their reactions to what they were tasting and what they were hearing was so heartwarming. So, yes, I think that I would like to have a product at some point. It's an extraordinary yeah. time now for vegan businesses of all kinds, from rela- from freelancers to products, people doing products, to shops and restaurants. That doesn't mean there's no work involved or no risk, but it's just a magnificent, magnificent time. Oh, it absolutely is. And I certainly look forward to the day that you produce um, a product. I will definitely be looking forward to tasting (laughs) that. And um, I love what you said about being open as well and getting the impression from from talking to you that you're very open to opportunity. Um, You know, like you say, you're getting out there, you know, you're meeting people, networking in all different communities, letting people know who you are and what you're about and simply being open and actually attracting opportunities um, to come to you. So that's absolutely wonderful. You shared so many wonderful golden nuggets um, in this interview Fran I really appreciate it I know I've personally got a lot out of this interview and I know um, that the listeners will so thank you so much for joining me today I really appreciate it it was my pleasure thank you Katrina for inviting me so that was Fran Costigan the queen of vegan desserts you can find out more at francostigan.com and that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our vegan business news roundup. The northern UK town of Grimsby now has its first vegan store. Owner Jake Maplethorpe obviously didn't have too many concerns about using the word vegan in the business name. He's called it vegan vegan. (laughs) Yep, he's not just using the word once but twice. According to the Grimsby Telegraph, the store stocks meat and cheese alternatives along with a variety of chocolates, sweets, ice creams, cooking ingredients and baking essentials. In the near future, freshly baked bread and cakes will be on offer too. Maplethorpe is fairly new to veganism, converting last November after being vegetarian on and off since childhood. He decided to open his new business in the place where he was born and grew up. And he's being smart about opening hours. Vegan Vegan, I love saying that, (laughs) is open on Tuesdays and Wednesdays from noon to 7pm and Thursday, Friday and Saturdays from 10am to 7pm to allow people to get there after work. And the company also offers a click and collect service via their website at veganvegan.co.uk. Irish musician Sharon Shannon has teamed up with Galway's Good Food Truck Company to set up a specialist truck called The Garden of Vegan, lovely creative name, that will visit festivals across Ireland this summer, reports the Connacht Tribune. A vegetarian for over a decade, Shannon turned vegan two years ago and because of that she got a lot more creative with her cooking. She was the mystery chef on the TV series The Restaurant and the judges gave her vegan menu three stars. 
Along with salads and burgers, the Garden of Vegan menu also includes a root vegetable chickpea and lentil hot pot and a spicy coconut Malaysian curry, all accompanied by potatoes. That sounds delicious. Shannon is responsible for creating the menus and the good food truck owners Vinnie and Yasmin McNellis will cook the food. Las Vegas has embraced the plant-powered movement. A report on Vegas 7 notes that in the past year alone, Las Vegas has seen the birth of one of the hottest spots in town for vegan eats, downtown's Veggie Nation, and has also seen many of the town's most popular restaurants debuting vegan-specific menus. The city also had its first veg fest in April this year. Violet's Vegan has introduced a new breakfast menu and smoothies, while Nacho Daddy Mexican Restaurant has added a comprehensive vegan menu at both its locations. Also, raw mixologist Shane Stewart, the man behind the healthy superfood vegan drinks at Grassroots Juice Bar, has announced that he's moving into the restaurant business with the upcoming launch of Panacea. Located in Boca Park and set to open in late August, Panacea will offer vegan cuisine, an essential oil vape bar, kombucha on tap, traditional tea ceremonies and more. Well, that all sounds a lot more exciting than gambling your money away at the casinos. (laughs) I've not been to Vegas before and to be honest, I haven't really been tempted, but I am now. (laughs) And it's great to see plant-based eating on the increase there. New York never ceases to disappoint. A new all-vegan pizzeria has opened in Brooklyn, reports Veg News. Screamer's Pizza is a partnership between Champs Diner and Blackbird Pizza and is located in the Greenpoint neighbourhood. According to Gothamist, the eatery will offer classic cheese pies, a white pie with garlic oil, vegan cheese, broccoli rabe, caramelised onions and homemade almond ricotta and their namesake, the Screamer, with garlic oil, vegan cheese, cremini and oyster mushrooms and parsley topped with homemade almond palm, among others. Wow, that's making me salivate as I'm reading this. And I bet vegans will be screaming with delight after eating a slice of these delicious sounding pizzas. Yet another eatery to put on my list when I'm next in New York. I remember when I first went vegan 20 years ago in the UK and having to ask regular pizza parlours to leave off the cheese, which made the pizza pretty boring. So I'm really happy that vegan pizza has come such a long way. Hospitality magazine in Australia has run an article highlighting the economic benefits for restaurants to add vegan options to their menus. Sydney Diner Yellow, which shifted from meat to all vegetarian fare in February this year, noticed more vegans coming in to eat after the move. Although head chef Adam Wolfers stresses that the eatery doesn't just want to cater to vegetarians and vegans, but to ensure non-veg customers enjoy meals based on vegetables. Vegan Latin restaurant Smith & Daughters in Melbourne is also featured in the article. Owners Mo Wise and Shannon Martinez say that the majority of their customers don't realise the food is vegan and the restaurant has proved so popular that the pair opened a vegan deli nearby. Wise pointed out the sensible business part of offering vegan options. She says, Vegans aren't going to eat from your menu if there are no options for them. They can't or they choose not to. But meat eaters and everyone else can eat the vegan items. That's an inclusive product. 
And that's a really good point. I've written about this in regards to conferences and meetings. Vegan food is the most inclusive because everyone can eat it. So it's good to see industry media put the business case for plant-based offerings. Finally, the Wall Street Journal has given the thumbs up to Impossible Foods Vegan Burger. In a fascinating and in-depth article of the burger's creation in a clandestine location in Silicon Valley, reporter Kurt Soller writes about his experience to the laboratory, including a taste test. The taste is complex, fruitier, funkier and more barnyardy than any other plant-based veggie burger, he writes. I'm convinced that the Impossible Burger is a simulcrum, a brilliantly concocted facsimile of the real thing. When a simulation comes this close to reality, the shortcomings are impossible to ignore. What a fantastic endorsement from a renowned mainstream media outlet with a huge audience. Although it'll be a few years before the Impossible Burger hits supermarkets, it sounds like it'll definitely be worth the wait. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a review and a rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. I'm Katrina Fox from veganbusinessmedia.com and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now. 